0: People can begin to realize that we shouldn't have to wait for some massive health issue, a personal life trauma, something to get real and to figure out, you know, how to, how to make your life passion and mission driven and how to wake up in the morning, not just getting in that routine of drudgery and going to work and getting a paycheck and coming home and living for Friday and, you know, waiting to have your wine on Friday night to take away the pain of the week.
1: Welcome to the Breast Cancer Podcast. I am breast surgeon, Dr. Deepa Hala Harvey. And I'm Monica Brooks, a cancer advocate. And we're both breast breast cancer cancer survivors. survivors. We are here to talk about all things breast cancer. From
2: surgery to survivorship, we know firsthand the challenges and questions a breast cancer diagnosis brings.
1: We are here to tackle topics that impact our lives. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Breast Cancer Podcast. And today we have our very first guest. And let me tell you, Dr. Deepa and I are absolutely starstruck. We are so excited to introduce you to Dr. Beth Dupree. And if you have not heard her name before, write it down, go order her book. Because when I started reading it, I was like, I love this woman. You don't have to be a breast cancer patient to benefit from this podcast or this book. You don't have to be a breast surgeon. She is such a gift to the world. And I guarantee that you will not be disappointed.
0: Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Deepa. I'm really happy to be here. And uh, I wouldn't want to spend my morning with anybody else right now.
1: Dr. Dupree,
2: I cannot tell you how grateful we are for you to jo- be joining us today on this podcast. And all I have done since you said yes to our podcast is I Googled your name and I like wrote down all the awards you got. I think that's going to take the entire hour. So, so I'm not gonna go in detail of each one of them. But you know, it's such an such an honor and such a privilege. And, you know, I look up to so many people, and you're just top of my list and you know how much you changed my own life. Uh, just meeting you as a fellow when I was in a fellowship, and then when I was newly diagnosed. You know, uh, I remember at ASBS conference in 2015, you were giving a talk, and I came and said to you, I took you to the site and I said, Dr. Dupree, I've been diagnosed with cancer, and I just had you know mastectomies, and I still had my drains. And then you gave me the biggest hug, and you said, Okay, I'm leaving to the airport. Why don't you join me? All the inspiration that you gave me in the car about during our travel and just everything about you is just so phenomenal and if I can be a fraction of what you are someday I would think my life is well lived so
0: I'm watching what it, all you're doing and you know the gifts that you gave back by coming back to our fellows course and sharing your journey with those young breast surgeons and what you continue to do and what you're doing today I mean I know like getting out in social media is a lot of uh, getting out of your comfort zone. And I remember when I wrote my first book, I thought nobody has to, there's nobody out there that needs to read this. You know, there's no reason to do it. But I think the more that we start getting out of our comfort zone and sharing real life experience and stories. And um, when you put yourself out there, you don't realize how the one person that might listen to this, it may change their journey completely and it may take them out of their fear and into their power. So um, kudos to you guys.
1: We just talked about this, Dr. Hala yeah. Harvey and I, even if it's just one person, we will continue to do what we do. We will continue to use our voice to bring awareness to breast cancer and also different aspects of breast cancer. And that's why when Dr. Hala Harvey told me about you, I started looking you up and I was like, well, what hasn't she done? Like, And then I got your book and I started reading it and I was like, oh my goodness, like, not just from like the breast surgeon aspect, but even a cancer patient can learn so much from you. And I was like, she's speaking my language as I read your book. And I'm like, this, this whole new person that you can become through this trauma that you go through is phenomenal. So had it not been for my cancer diagnosis, I wouldn't be here reading this book, sitting with you, sitting with Dr. Hala Harvey. And on my spiritual journey as well, figuring out what is this gift? Or like in your book, what is this? It wasn't a whisper. What's the other one you say? It's not a whisper, a scream.
0: Two by four upside the head. Yes,
1: that's exactly what my journey has been. It's been the scream like, Hey, you're not on the right path. You need to be on wake up. There's things you need to change. And now I feel like I am so blessed to be here and to have been awake this other life i never would have been exploring
0: i always tell patients you know getting a cancer diagnosis is nothing that anybody ever asks for but it depends how you show up to it the last at least you know year and a half for everybody going through covid is kind of like the global um, transformational diagnosis and you know one of the things that can come out of what you're doing right now with your show People can begin to realize that we shouldn't have to wait for some massive health issue, a personal life trauma, something, to get real and to figure out, you know, how to how to make your life passion and mission driven, and how to wake up in the morning, not just getting in that um, that routine of drudgery and going to work and getting a paycheck and coming home and living for Friday and you know, waiting to have your wine on Friday night to take away the pain of the week. And it's, you know, I just turned 60 in April. So it's a, there's a very big thing that happened. I didn't expect it, but there's something about turning 60. You feel legit. Like you're, you've suddenly done enough of this part before to get to where you are. And you go, you know what, what do you want to do with the next, you know, 30, 40, however many years you have left of your life, like what really matters. And it is ai uh, don't know. It's a big deal. It's a big yeah. change.
1: It, it's a huge deal. And I think we have, before we even get to 60, we have those screams that happen that give us that opportunity to reevaluate our life and to say, well, now that I'm, I'm like, whoa, this big thing happened. What am I now going to do? Because I was in that same thing of, I get up in the morning, I'd go to work like everybody else. I would come home and I was unhappy. Now I feel like I'm tapping into my gifts of like using my voice and finding ways to inspire other people and younger women to have the body awareness. And I'm just like, I'm way over here now. And I'm like living my best life. Had it not been for cancer, which sounds crazy. But I think that the trauma we experience gives us opportunities to make a shift a huge shift in our life. So I, that's why your book was just like,
0: "Ah, we're friends. And and the great gift beside you is the fact that you went to a physician who created a very special doctor patient relationship. I mean, Deep is a very talented surgeon, but what happens in the operating room when our patients are asleep is the least important thing of what happens on that healing journey. And had you gone to another surgeon who just Saw you as a cancer diagnosis, cut out your cancer and sent you on your way. You may not have had this wonderful awakening and epiphany because you could still be sitting at home, fearful the cancer will come back instead of taking, you know, taking that piece of your life. And I mean, Deepa was a great surgeon. She was compassionate. She was caring. Like I don't believe that she needed a diagnosis of cancer <laughs> to move to this next phase, but it was an exponential shot off the planet because. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I remember hearing your story that first time sitting in the car on the way to the airport and, you know, fresh out of fellowship, you know, no reason to be thinking you should have cancer and boom.
2: First mm-hmm. year of my practice trying to establish myself and yeah, just never expected it, you know, and, um, but you know, Dr. Dupree, I always admire what you tell people and in your talks and one of the phrases that you use, and I kind of stole it from you. It's a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson, do not follow over path may lead, go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. And I sort of made that as my life mission, even, you know, as an immigrant coming to this country, as a teenager, there wasn't really a path set out for me. I had to find my own way. I took care of my father for, you know, for a few years and medical school with, you know, husband and kids. And there has always been a lot of um, what I call adversity, even before I was diagnosed with cancer, but cancer really, like you said, it gave me this platform to stand and say, Hey, I have, I know how it feels to be told you have cancer, you know. And I'm also very honest. I'll tell patients I did not have chemotherapy, so I cannot tell you how it feels to have that. But I have the same fears as anybody else, risk of recurrence, a fear of risk of recurrence, waking up and my back hurts. Oh my gosh, is it back? You know, I have the same fears that my patients experience. So I'm so empathetic
1: uh, to them.
0: So you're able to be honest with them and be part of their journey.
1: Now, our listeners, of course, can't see this, but behind you, Dr. Dupree, is a backdrop that says "The Healthcare Cure." Tell us about that.
0: In two weeks, I'm going to be um, uh, featured in a documentary. I'm one of the multiple doctors uh, that are going to be in, that are interviewed in the documentary. And it's called Healthcare Cure. And I was speaking at the Power Symposium, and I went to the conference, and that morning, um, Friday morning. The keynote speaker Nick Webb was talking about uh, positive disruption in healthcare, and I thought, wow, I consider myself a positive disruptor. You know, I walked away from a health system years ago that didn't want to invest in breast care and started a hospital. So I went and listened to his talk, and and when he came off the stage, I kind of caught him in the back of the room and said, Nick, what you're doing is unbelievable. You know what what you're yeah. you know what you're um, what I'm watching in front of me is kind of my, a mirror to what I'm doing in healthcare. So, and in the fall, I got called by Nick and he said, listen, I'm doing this documentary and I'd love to interview you.
1: I love that you called yourself a positive disruptor. So tell us what this documentary is about.
0: The documentary is really about the shifts in healthcare that need to happen to bring healing and you know, kind of bring focus back into the patient. It focuses on the preventable disease, which we all know, you know, so much of what we treat in healthcare is preventable, but we have to change our lifestyle and we have to be accountable. And the only way to do that starts with a doctor patient relationship. The documentary isn't about this is what we need to do to change healthcare. It's these are the questions we have to ask, and these are the things that we need to encounter and deal with to help create a shift in healthcare because we're in the midst of, you know, um, healthcare crisis. Spending too much money to treat diseases that we have other ways to prevent, but nobody wants to spend the time and energy. Yes, And it's not not an anti-pharmaceutical or or an anti-device movie. It's about, we've got to get back to a place where we've got balance between all of these. And I'm excited about it. I'm proud of it. And a lot of things have come out of that process that have made me um, look at my career right now. And what do I want to do with it for the rest of the years that I have to be able to impact healthcare.
1: Now tell us how we can watch this.
0: It premieres at the Sedona Film Festival on the 17th of June and the 19th of June, and it will be available, which I'll give you a link. Uh, People will be able to get remote access where they can go on in and pay for remote access and, and watch the documentary
2: And I was just going to ask you how you do it all. You know, you you are doing, you're doing the documentary, you're doing the talks, you have a, you know, symposium for the fellows, you're taking care of all these patients.
1: Yeah. And with that, you're also super big into taking care of yourself as well. Like with meditation.
0: When we forget to take care of ourselves, we become no good to anybody else. And I've gotten to that place a few times in my life where I put other people so far ahead of me that I recognized I was going to break.
1: Can you give us and our listeners, perhaps some tips that you've learned to do to where you don't get to that point to where you're going
0: to break? You know, I'm, I'm really good at lists in my life. And it's about putting those things in the priority order of how much time then can I, I back back and say, what time in the morning do I need to get up to be able to, do a 20 minute meditation to do 20 minute workout and to be able to spend 15 minutes on babble and then take on the day because the days that I do that, I start so much more centered and grounded mm-hmm. and I am better. I, ha- I have a shorter, I have a less short fuse in the OR. I had to pay better attention to making things happen that really honored me Yeah, and that I get to honor my patients.
2: You're just super fabulous and amazing.
1: Now, I'm not as familiar with like the terms that breast surgeons use, but tell us if you can, some things that the cancer community can look forward to, whether you're a breast surgeon or a cancer patient.
0: I got to rewind back to last January, January, 2020, I gave a keynote address at the Healthy World Sedona conference. It was a, it was about lifestyle modification for breast cancer risk reduction And as I was doing the talk, I went online and I was pulling off slides. And when I went online, a book popped up and I believe there's no coincidence. It's called How to Change Your Mind. Mm. And I thought, huh. So I pop up the book and I thought, wow. So I had some credits on my Audible. I downloaded it and I started listening to it on the way to and from work. And I was blown away because it was a very honest dive into psychedelics. And I grew up in the, you know, I was born in 1961 and LSD was a four letter word. It was the war against drugs. It was the evil drug that people jumped out of windows, which is also not true. But I started reading his book and just kind of shifted in my brain. Oh my gosh. Like they're using psilocybin, which is uh, mushrooms, which is, they call it the flesh of the God. They're using peyote. They're using MDMA in therapeutic clinical trials. And then I found out about MAPS and I read about Bill Richards and I pulled up the papers off of PubMed about the use of psilocybin in patients with end stage cancer. And that 85% of the patients that went through that process had a life changing, transformational experience. And my brain goes where your brain's going right now. Why would you wait to end of life? Like yeah. when someone's diagnosed with cancer, and I have said this over and over and over again. I asked the manufacturers of these devices, if you could help me cut out fear when I cut out cancer, I would become the best breast surgeon in the world because I would not just be helping the physical body heal, I would be helping that entire patient heal. Yeah. So the cogs were going and going, not that I needed more to do in my day, but I thought, (laughs) wouldn't it be great if they did a clinical study on early stage cancer patients. And then flip forward, I found a YouTube video with Bill Richards and he actually lost his wife to breast cancer. Oh, wow. And when she was young and, you know, he had to raise his two young sons. And in one of his uh, talks, he said, you know, one of the things he'd love to see before he is no longer in physical form is a study on early stage breast cancer patients, because, you know, as well as I do that fear and cortisol storm and yeah. How we, you know, getting that hypothalamic pituitary axis back into alignment where you're empowered and you're not living in fear. You know, I don't know what the downstream effects are, or are going to be on cancer recurrence, but I certainly know on quality of life, which is yeah. one of our major metrics that we look at in right. breast cancer survivorship. So I did my research and I found out that there was a program in the California Institute for Interval Studies for um, it's called CPTR center for psychedelic therapy and research, and they have a certificate program and they have a ton of people that apply to it. And not that I didn't have enough on my plate, but I said, who better to do this research? Cause I remember, you know, 15 years ago, everyone thought I was going out on a limb to become board certified in integrative medicine. Yeah. And now it's part of everything.
2: Right. Right.
0: And so I said, why not? So I applied to the program. And that's why we're doing this interview at 7 a.m. Because at 9.30 today, I have my third day of my third weekend, and we are um, studying MDMA therapy in veterans, which is incredibly successful based on the clinical trials. So it's about uh, going to that place where we we look at how can we best heal our mental and emotional health? Because cancer is one thing. Every patient that goes through cancer has some level of PTSD or mental emotional stress. Yeah. And so that's going to be my next chapter. And that's why I went back to my department here and said, I really need to work part-time as a breast cancer surgeon, not because breast cancer surgery is not important, but I've trained a lot of great technical surgeons in the world. I don't know how many other surgeons would be willing to step out of their comfort zone, go out publicly and say, hey, listen. I want to be doing a psilocybin trial. And people are like, I didn't even know how to spell psilocybin last year. And I didn't <laughs> even know what a magic mushroom was. I, I didn't know that MDMA had to treat Like, ecstasy. That was not part of my wheelhouse. So in 14 months time, I've gone from knowing very little to having read and consumed every piece of literature that I can. And it's something that I'm, I'm really excited about because I don't know what the outcomes will be. But I know that sitting back and doing the same thing and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. And that's what we're doing right now. And I'm sure you see it when patients get diagnosed with cancer, how many come back to your office and their doctors put them on anxiolytics and sleepers yeah. and antidepressants. And that's not how, you know, we've, we've yeah. become a pill for the ill society. And although some people need medication short-term, that is not the long-term answer. So yeah. that's, that's the step out of my comfort zone that I have done. And that's amazing. Uh, you know, once this gets going, hopefully we'll be able to do multi-centered trials, but to, to really transform someone's life after a cancer diagnosis is why God put me on this planet. That's yeah. why
1: I'm- the you're- cancer community is applauding you can't hear it, but I'm just like, yes, yeah. like everything you're saying is what we need. And it is more than just being on the table and having that tumor extracted. It's like, there's so much other healing that has to go on. And I love that that is a focus of yours. it's just more than that those hours you spend in the operating room. You just stand for
2: hope. And you know, that's what I love about you. No one talks about quality of life issues. And I'm a a big proponent on quality of life. You know, as someone who has to endure the side effects of tamoxifen, that's a huge deal. And that's the thing that we need to talk more about. Patients want to know about that. It's not just how long, who cares if I get to live 100 years? I just want to have, enjoy my life that I have left here.
0: And we talked about this recently because a lot of patients will lie about staying on their anti-estrogen medicine because they're trying to make their doctors happy. And that's something that, you know, there are other things, you know, for patients that won't, can't tolerate it. And there's, there, there's a lot of side effects that come with these drugs and you you and I both use genomic assays we we look at recurrence scores we look at yeah. you know what benefits people can really have from chemo and it, you know for me I know that years ago we gave a lot more chemo than we do now because we yeah. found out that there are a lot of tumors that even if it's in their lymph nodes they're not going to respond to chemo so why would we give it to them yeah and yeah. so it's created this shift of personalized healthcare, care but It's also got to be personalized, not just to treat the physical body, but the psychosocial, emotional. So we know
1: there is a need from the cancer community and there's a need for a shift in healthcare. How does this happen? How do we get to that point?
0: It takes people to not be political. It takes them to recognize that we're all living in this collective consciousness. So it's going to take other doctors and this is going to take a... It's really going to be a change in the conversation and a movement to recognize that people need to heal in different ways. They, they need to be able to find whatever pathway is going to help. And for, you know, for some people, maybe going to a meditation retreat.
2: I really love your talk on caring for the caregiver. And you talk about centered on self rather than self-centered. I always think of taking care of myself as self-centered. I mean, I have I've come a long way since my diagnosis. I do a much better job taking care of myself, but it's so easy to forget yourself.
1: Probably something that everyone can relate to. We just get so caught up in the every day we forget to take care of ourselves. So, uh, Dr. Dupree, what else are you working on that we can get excited about?
0: I'm going to be working part-time, which my part-time is more like a regular full-time. Physician. I was going to say, yes. And, uh, yes. <laughs> The, uh, the other technologies that I'm working with are a uh, transcutaneous vagal nerve stimulator, which is it's called MindVibe, and it helps to create a sense of calm and peace. Mm. Uh, and hopefully we will have that out next year. And I really want to just keep helping people in the mental health space because breast cancer is this big in our yeah. world. Mental health is this big. Yes. So much dissonance in mental health leads to so many other health issues. Yeah. And I, you know, looking at the statistics between the veterans and and the number of suicides per day and per year, it's, it's heartbreaking to know that we haven't done more yet.
2: Yeah. Well, you're such a great advocate and such a great humanitarian, you know? And I mean, I think of us doing surgery, you're right. We're just technicians, but then that's just a very tiny part of taking care of the patient. It's the whole humanistic aspect and you got it. And very few people, I think, get that. This is a time
0: to keep planting the seeds yes. of whole patient care, Yes. wellness, yes. patient relationships.
1: What I, what I hear is... is And also, also in your book is caring for the whole person, but I also feel like patients don't always understand that as well. You have to be open to learning and growing and seeing yourself as the whole person. What advice would you give to a cancer patient who may just feel like I have cancer? This is this horrible thing that happened to me, which we agree. It's, it's not this great thing, but there's also this opportunity. What advice would you give them?
0: Well, first things first, you know, if I could, if I could have my perfect practice and Deepa, you're probably gonna say the same thing. I would love when a patient comes in to have them sign a contract and say, I so and so agree to work with you, Dr. Dupree, in every aspect of my life as we move forward in my healing journey. I promise to show up. I promise to give it my best. I have the opportunity to make choices that resonate with me, but I'm gonna show up. And when someone gets diagnosed with cancer and they recoil and they make it just about the cancer, those are my toughest patients because yeah. they think that taking off the, the dressing from the incision and seeing a well healed scar, that's, that scar may be beautiful and it may not be visible to anybody else, but it's the internal scars that yes. if, we not, if we do not help to heal those internal scars on the soul and the spirit, they will come out in other ways in their lives. Yeah. And so my greatest advice is this diagnosis is not about the cancer. And, you know, I, Deepa, you know, I do this. When I say to patients, no one dies of breast cancer in their yeah. breast. They look at me like I'm crazy because they say, cut my breasts off. I want to be done. Like, I don't want to, you know, and yeah. if, if I can't get into their heart to get them to recognize that, then I feel that I've not done my job as a healer. I've just been a doctor. And sometimes it's the hardest for my patients who've had a lumpectomy. They might've had five days of radiation. So they have two little incisions. Nobody else can see it. Everybody else in the world is like, oh, you got an easy paper route. You're mm-hmm. done your cancer. You're there. Yeah. Their internal scars on their yeah. soul and their spirit are the same as someone who's lost their hair and lost their breast and had mastectomies and reconstruction and radiation. Cause those internal scars are the scars of cancer where a cancer diagnosis changes everything because suddenly you feel your mortality. Sometimes you have survivor's guilt Yes. and cancer sucks. It's a crap diagnosis, but it can also be the greatest gift someone gets in their life. If they show up and they choose to see all those things in their life that they can make changes in that otherwise could have, you know, Run out of control later. Yeah,
1: and for those listening now that don't see Dr. Hella Harvey and I, we're just nodding our heads off to everything Dr. And you're tearing, I see. Yes. You. Yes. I oh yes. so I started to get a little teary-eyed because it's it's just like you said things so beautifully, and I'm just like you're saying everything that I'm feeling, and and the fact that this can be a very beautiful thing and the outcome, but it really is. It's you have to show up. To more than just your surgery, chemo and radiation, you have to show up to this diagnosis and continue to take your power back by making those changes and choices in your life. And I think about now my journey, like I became a certified holistic
0: nutritionist. I am a Reiki one certified. You've taken, you've taken that diagnosis and you have chosen to see how nutrition can impact your body.
1: These shifts in my life, my life is aligned now more than it has been ever in my life because of my diagnosis and I choose to make the most of this. And I'm like, I'm awake universe. Like I'm awake and I hear you. And just being here with you, I'm like another thing that has just shifted and aligned. And I'm just like, this is beautiful. That's why I was emotional because it's like, you are speaking my language. And I want every cancer patient to feel that way, to feel like I'm going to show up every day in my life and live the best life I possibly can now by the choices that I make.
0: When we look at the 80% of health issues that are able to be transformed through lifestyle, through exercise, through nutrition, through meditation, you know, that's our opportunity to start ratcheting it down. This conversation has
1: been so helpful, Dr. Dupree. And I know sometimes with a cancer diagnosis, and I'm sure Dr. Halla Harvey, you agree as well, we often think about the legacy we will leave behind after we're gone talk to us about what you want your legacy to be.
0: It's funny. You should say that. Cause I, you know, my mom passed away a few weeks ago. And, oh, I'm so, uh, sorry, to so
1: sorry to hear that. So sorry to hear that.
0: 95. Um, she had Alzheimer's. So it was a 13 year goodbye. Um, and I was able to go and be with her because they dropped the restrictions. So we were able to actually be with her and hold her hand and hug her and love her. And, um, When you think about legacy, because for my mom, you know, my mom finished eighth grade. She worked before my dad and her met, I I think it was a sewing factory. She then ended up raising seven kids successfully, seven children, 10 years, worked in my dad's business, and then worked in catering. My mom was always about what could she do for someone else? How could she help someone alleviate someone's suffering? How could she show up and be there for someone? And as I was writing her obituary with my sister's, I said, wow, I said, I guess this is where we got these aspects of how we do what we do. Yeah. And so when you talk about legacy, I don't believe that my legacy in healthcare is going to be in breast cancer only. I think the breast cancer legacy is going to be about the patient relationship, the healing journey, the lifestyle impacts that we can have on cancer outcomes down the line but I think the biggest legacy is going to be the next chapter of my life, which is mental health, mental emotional well-being. And, you know, a third, um, I'm joining a company called Signal Relief, and they have a, an amazing technology that helps alleviate discomfort, like in your back, and your knees, because so many people end up getting medicated with opioids for all kinds of different things that bring them discomfort in their body. And to be able to work in avenues that have global reach, millions and millions and millions of people. These technologies that I'm getting involved with now, I'm getting involved with because I believe that I can bring a voice to several of these opportunities to create great shifts. I'm keeping my day job because I think I still have a lot to offer breast cancer patients, but the intention that I'm gonna put out to the universe is that the universe bring me patients who want to be on that journey, so that I can be their partner in healing and really help them to shift out of cancer fear and into living an empowered, passion and purpose-driven life. Wow,
2: that was beautiful. Very, very beautiful. I'm just like soaking every word you're saying today because you know I just want to be I want to be like you, you know. And I feel like I'm I'm good with my technical skill, but at the same time, this human humanitarian aspects that you're talking about, I need to work on it and get better every day. What would you say to that new breast cancer surgeon who's starting out? What would your advice be?
0: My advice is pick a circle of people to support you. Show up, be honest, be humble, be an advocate for your patients. Um, Push your health systems to become accredited centers of excellence because that makes other doctors step up to the plate. To be in that space with the patients, and being in that space with the patient is more important than all the other stuff, because that's how you change lives and take care of you. Thank you so much. That
2: was great. That was that beautiful.
0: Was Thank you.
1: Dr. Halla Harvey. I am just blown away right now at Dr. Dupree. And I just feel like everyone, whether you're a cancer patient, breast surgeon, everyone needs to listen and pay attention to the message that she is saying. She is so phenomenal, Monica.
2: She's a beautiful person inside and out. And you can tell every person she touches, uh, I'm sure they're overwhelmed with such so much gratitude. You know, she's always says, whatever it takes to help a person find healing and peace in their heart should be the integral part of their care. And you can see that in all the things she talks about. She talks about different things to integrate in a patient's healing. She says as a breast surgeon, we're you know technically we're removing the tumor. That's just small part of what we do, but she talks about treating the whole person in that humanistic aspect, integrating you know meditation, integrating Reiki, massage, counseling, exercise, um, lifestyle modification. There are so many things she talks about talked about today that I am just beyond
1: grateful that we were able to have her on our podcast. I know our community will feel the same way. What a privilege to talk with her. And I just look forward to learning more about her and her message and her book. The healing consciousness is available on Amazon. So we'll put a link to that below if you'd like to purchase it, she's featured in that documentary, the healthcare cure. And I cannot wait. I can't wait either. So this was so fun. Thank you for setting this up. This was amazing. And our ending message for you today is to check in with yourself make sure you're taking care of your whole self, not just your cancer, not just that tumor. It is a mental journey that you have to be on a whole journey, taking care of your inside and out as well. And stay centered on self rather than self-centered.
2: I just absolutely love that. What a great thought to end on until next time, everyone.